Ever since that shocking loss to Iowa State a little more than a month ago, my motto for this Sooners football team has been survive in advance. And that's what OU has done. The Sooners won close against Texas, close against Kansas State, finally got a little breathing room against Texas Tech. And then there was Bedlam, which was one of the most stressful OU games I can remember watching in years. Luckily, the Sooners won them all and continued to survive in advance. On Saturday, Oklahoma once again survived and advanced. And for the first time this season, the Sooners will be in the top four of the playoff rankings when they come out on Tuesday. It was wholly satisfying watching this OU football team come out and take care of business against a TCU team that's very good. That was a big boy performance on a national stage. And on a Saturday that saw two of the three top teams in college football go down, OU gained a lot of respect across the nation by comfortably beating the sixth-ranked team in the country. Let's hope that the Sooners continue this survive and advance mantra for, at the very least, the next three games. Because if OU reaches the Final Four, the Sooners will be the most feared team in the playoff. And you can thank Baker Mayfield for that. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. Mayfield. Scrambling, drops it off. Anderson breaks a tackle, two tackles. Rodney Anderson again. His third touchdown. Two rushing. Now one receiving. Second down and 11. Mayfield lines up over the middle. Anderson. Touchdown, Sooners. What a game for this kid. His fourth touchdown. Of the first half. Rodney Anderson becomes the latest member of the Oklahoma offense to produce a record-setting performance. Get this, 290 total yards of offense, 151 of those yards on the ground, and 139 through the air. Plus, by the way, four total touchdowns. With that, we welcome you into a Monday edition of West of Everest, this post-TCU edition of West of Everest. I'd like to remind you that the show is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you to all the loyal listeners who've been with us since day one. One of those loyal listeners is Aiden from Tulsa. Aiden, thanks for listening. We appreciate you reaching out and giving us your feedback. Really do. If you have not already given us some feedback please leave us a rating on itunes or leave us a review as well that would be much appreciated if you'd like to contact us otherwise the email address for the show is west of everest at gmail.com again west of everest at gmail.com and also you can find grant and i on twitter i'm at lee benson news nine grant is at grant benson 25 so now let's bring grant in to talk a little ou tcu Grant, uh, how's it going? I uh, I was at the game on Saturday, so I I, I want to make sure I talk about the atmosphere in Norman. But uh, first off, uh, what did you think of the game, and how did the the crowd look on TV? Uh, on TV, the crowd uh, looked okay uh, for the most part. I know I've noticed sometimes a little bit on, on TV, especially at. At, at Owen Field, the crowd doesn't necessarily translate very well uh, on TV all the time. Having that been said, uh, everything we heard about the crowd was very positive, so uh, I have you know no qualms with that at all. Uh, having that been said, Lee, where I watched the game in my living room, it was nice and quiet and calm and all was well. A stark <laughs> contrast from uh, from how it was last week against Oklahoma State. Just a much, much more calm experience this time. I really appreciated it. 
let's just jump in or I guess from my perspective since I was on the field for that game and I'm happy I was able to go because since I was at the Oklahoma Texas Tech game in 2008 as were you um, I wanted to go ahead and compare and contrast the two atmospheres because of what Baker Mayfield said back on Monday of last week challenging the fans to come out and putting the Texas Tech from 2008 game kind of behind us and making the TCU game its own kind of epic college football atmosphere and events. So here's what I would say about the atmosphere on Owen Field on Saturday night. I would say it was good early on. The crowd was definitely into it. But Grant, unfortunately, there just was never a time or a moment in the game where things really popped like they did in that 2008 Tech game. And I think if there was ever going to be a moment in that OU-TCU game, it would have been late in the first half when Rodney Anderson scored his fourth touchdown and OU went up 38-14. to 14. And at that moment, I was thinking, oh, this could be it. This could be a big moment. And, yeah, of course, everyone was excited, but it just it never had that same feeling as the jump-around moment when Oklahoma was up, I think, 42-7, to 7, I think, on Texas Tech with about – 10 seconds to go in the second quarter. So really what I've learned, Grant, I think that Texas Tech game was just one of a kind, one of a kind moment. It's cool that you and I were both there to to see what that was like. Um, Lincoln Riley, of course, praised the crowd after the game. He even sent out a tweet that I saw today. Uh, and again, we record these podcasts on Sunday. So this is the day after the game. And Lincoln Riley sent this tweet out. It was either on Saturday night, late or Sunday. And, and you may have saw this tweet too, Grant. I want to get your thoughts. I... I kind of cringed a little bit. I'm sorry, Coach Riley. I cringed a little bit when I, when I read this tweet. He said, quote, we don't have to talk about the 2008 Tech game ever again. Sooner Nation, you were incredible tonight, end quote. I, I, I think people will still talk about the 2008 Tech game, Coach. What do you think, Grant? I probably and you know this is I, I know there's this kind of this this meme that's going around that, that this is a that that Owen Field is kind of a soft crowd and at times it certainly can be. It's not like 2008 Texas Tech is the only time the crowd has ever been good. I mean, I've I, I've been to two really good or three really good crowd games uh, since the 2008 Texas Tech game. Just off the top of my head, Lee, uh, 2009 Bedlam. We went to that game. The Sooners won 27 to nothing. The crowd was outstanding in that game. Uh, the next season, Florida State came in. The crowd was awesome during that game. And of course, the game, the game that a lot of people forget from 2012 when Notre Dame came, I thought the crowd in that game was absolutely sensational. We don't really remember it that well because the Sooners lost. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I don't have a problem at all with how the crowd was yesterday. All, all reports are that it was good, so I'll, I'll tip my cap to the crowd. Um, they, they absolutely, I'm sure, had an effect on the game. TCU did look at, at times during the game to, you know, to look uncomfortable. Um, on the field so but overall it was just a really good game so just keep the train going keep everything moving uh two weeks you know hopefully when West Virginia could come to town as an eight and three team in two weeks and I, I can promise you that the atmosphere is going to be pretty ridiculous for that as well so just eye on the prize keep going there's going to be other opportunities for you know one more opportunity for a really good crowd this season that's a good way to put it. I agree with everything you just said. The crowd was good. Don't get me wrong. It was a good atmosphere. It, it certainly felt a lot different than any of the other home games so far this season at Owen Field, which I have been to every single one of them, and that was certainly the the most electric. I got to say, before the game started, when they did the intro video, Grant, I got a little bit – I got some chills. I, I got a little bit of chills. So that must have been – it was a pretty good intro video. 
and it was just it was one of those things too where the the moment of the game and the build up it was finally there and uh, being on the field too was added an extra element which was uh, pretty unique as well and I gotta say maybe it's kind of a compliment to Oklahoma that the atmosphere never really got to that 2008 Texas Tech popping feeling because there was never really that pinnacle moment because Oklahoma played so well and TCU never really got close in the second half because Grant Oklahoma put up 38 points in the first half which is where we will now move to what a performance by that Sooners offense Grant what are your initial thoughts on Baker Mayfield and company well I mean I thought the offense was spectacular in the first half they um, first of all let's start with this this is really the first time this year I've really watched TCU live. You know, I've I've obviously gone back and watched you know some other games I've had this year. TCU's defense is totally for real. Uh, they are they are arguably, you know, a really a really good argument could be made that TCU is is the fastest defense in the country. They fly to the ball. That just an incredibly fast defense. And and usually that's usually not something that really registers to me while watching a game live. It it was blatantly obvious to me while watching on TV how fast TCU's defense was. Um, you saw a lot. Uh, we the Sooners just really did not try to go east and west at all. You know they have that thick, that jet sweep look that they really like to show. Um, they didn't do hardly any of that at all. And, and I. I wonder it's just because they thought running east and west trying to get the edge on TCU's defense was just a lost Cosley. So I have watched a lot of TCU this year, as uh, I had made clear going into the, the game last week and previewing it. And before we came on, I you know don't want to brag or anything like that because I really have nothing but to brag about because my picks this week weren't, weren't very good. But when it came to this OU-TCU game, Grant, I think whatever I th- – Basically, put it this way. What I thought would happen if Oklahoma played well happened because the key to this game, as far as I'm concerned, for TCU was turnovers. If the Horn Frogs would turn over Oklahoma, they'd have success. But if Oklahoma kept the ball and didn't turn it, didn't turn it over and won the turnover battle, which OU obviously did, I, f- I knew Oklahoma would be able to move the ball successfully and score some points against TCU, and the Sooners did because that's what TCU has shown on film when they play against elite offenses. And Oklahoma's the best offense in the country, and they hadn't seen an offense like Oklahoma's yet. And when Oklahoma <laughs> plays against anybody and gets any defense, even good defenses like TCU, the Sooners exploit it. And Oklahoma found different ways all game. And remember, I said I didn't think Oklahoma would be able to run the football well in this game. At first, the Sooners really couldn't, but then the chunk yardage plays started started ripping off, and Rodney Anderson had a game. And I... Yeah, TCU's got a really good defense, Grant, but I still stand by that they're a good team, not a great team, and they're just really well coached. Um, but having said that, though, I I don't know if I'd want to see that team again because that that definitely is a strong defense, and you give it, that defense another shot at OU, I don't know if the Sooners would be able to put up 38 again unless it was one of those things, too, where Lincoln Riley was kind of holding back in the second half because he didn't want to show too much just in case that rematch was coming in a few weeks in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I've heard that talking point thrown around a lot today, and there there might be some truth to that. I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I can't get inside Lincoln Riley's head. I don't know. Um, about scoring 38 points again on that defense, I why not? I, I don't see a problem with that at all. I, I thought there, there, 
the second half might give some people some pause just because they didn't score. Um, but I mean, they, they weren't trying to score. I, I thought that was per- pretty obvious. They, they certainly kind of went into shell mode after that. And, um, Lee, this game really reminded me of, and this is kind of what I was, what I was thinking halfway through the third quarter when, when it was pretty obvious that, that OU was going to win the game, you know, even though they were up by 24 at halftime, the game really reminded me of just kind of just like a typical Alabama beatdown of an SEC team where it's, they just kind of jump all over them really quick and they just, they assert their dominance really quick. And then kind of halfway through the third quarter, the other team just kind of waves the white flag and says, you know what, this is not even worth it. It's over. And that's exactly what happened last night. I was stunned at how easy of a win that was, and it was incredibly impressive. I'm, it, I came away more impressed by TCU's defense than I was other, just just because of how how physically impressive they were, just how athletic and fast they were, and oh, you moved the ball on them in the first half remarkably easily uh, and uh, TCU is a legit top 10 defense in the country and OU made mincemeat out of them they 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 had no trouble whatsoever um just add another guy Rodney Anderson is now a guy who is who is a threat to go off for a record-breaking performance add it to a list of like six or seven guys already on this offense just just insane and and you, you Lee you know what you well know that if the Sooners wanted to win that game by 40 points last night they could have easily yeah I, I i agree yeah i mean they, they I, don't, I don't know if i'd go that far I, I just said i agree and then i i'm immediately backtracking i don't know about that i mean i think oklahoma wanted to score in the second half tcu uh played better i mean second half adjustments are a well, thing but well, at the sure, same time we can riley Lincoln riley did acknowledge on his coach's show with dean blevins on sunday night that he was playing more of a conservative offensive game plan trying to chew up the clock a lot more in the second half so I mean he even acknowledged that and I mean we've seen Oklahoma do that this year when they need to which is a great skill to have absolutely I mean man like think back to that 2018 grant where yeah you know Oklahoma's offense was fantastic and Oklahoma was able to run hurry up a lot and run tempo and and not just run the spread but also was able to go under center and things like that but it also I don't really remember Oklahoma being able to whenever they wanted to chew up a bunch of clock on long drives like Oklahoma's actually been able to do quite a bit in the last month against good teams and that's a skill that's that's massive especially this time of the year whenever sometimes you you don't need to score or or you can't score 40 you gotta you gotta limit possessions and keep that Oklahoma defense off the field and keep the best unit in college football on the field which is the Oklahoma offense yeah I think they've shown even even in the ways that they've struggled this year on defense, I think they've shown a capability of winning a bunch of different types of games. Um, even going into Columbus was was more of a defensive victory than it was an offensive victory. Um, I, I thought, you know, in that game, the offense left a lot of points on the on the field, and it was kind of up to the defense to finish that game, uh, which they did. And that's that's basically what happened last night. The the offense just kind of did their part in the in the first half, and they just handed the game over to the defense. And by godly, the defense finished the game. How about that? Yeah, the defense played well. 14 points in the first half and only six points in the second half. And for the fifth straight game, OU's defense allowed less than two touchdowns in the second half. That's five games in a row where, I mean, you only allow two touchdowns in the second half. 
that's I mean, I'll take that all day long, Grant, with the exception of the only time it won't work out is if Oklahoma gives up like 50 in the first half or I mean, well, they gave up 38 to Oklahoma State and sure. still was able to outscore them. Sure. Yeah. So, the, the, so, so, yeah, the defense is playing better, but the the offense certainly is a story. And I actually last uh, on Saturday, just real quick after the game, I got a chance to do to do a little bit of the postgame interviews. And Bobby Evans was the first guy up one of the linemen for OU and I asked him this question I said hey hey uh if if you were told earlier in the week that you all would score zero points in the second half and still win what would you think and he kind of paused and didn't really even really know how to how to answer that he said that that's that'd be just really weird (laughs) he just he said yeah I don't even know how how I'd react to that if somebody would have said that so yeah, it was a. I, I just the the second half was just very odd, and that's why I said that it just it felt like an Alabama game because Lee, the Sooners won that game in the first half. That game was over at halftime. I mean they they completely controlled that game, and when I say that they could have won that game by forty if they wanted to, I I completely mean it. I thought it was blatantly obvious that the the tempo and the pace changed in the second half on offense. They were they were clearly not trying to to go down the field. Um, I, I just thought it was obvious. And of course they wanted to score. They didn't go out there thinking, ah, our goal here is to not score. It wasn't that at all. They just weren't being aggressive and they were just being very vanilla is what it was. And I, th- I think that's okay. They, they, they already had the, the game won. If they wanted to go up there and, and score three or four more touchdowns, I really think they could have, um, how far do you want to go into the playbook to do that though? I, I don't know, especially when you're probably, when you probably are going to be playing this team again in three weeks. So I do understand that, that line of argument, but I, I it's, it's just more of the same. I, this OU offense is absolutely spectacular. It really is. Uh, as of right now, they are uh, they are ahead of the pace to be the um, in, in terms of just pure yardage and yards per play. They are on pace to be the best Oklahoma offense of all time. Um, no OU offense has ever uh, averaged over 600 yards per game. Even that 2008 team, um, the most yards per game in a season, I think, is in the the, the 6.8 uh, the six point eight stratosphere right now the Sooners are averaging about eight and a half yards per play which is absolutely uh, that's that's historic that's something that you're just not going to see a whole lot and just over the over the course of the history of college football and that's that, that's where this offense is right now and and I've, I've been saying it for the last month if if there's one team that can do it if there's one team that can elevate you know a, a mediocre defense a blow average defense a bad defense or an atrocious defense like we've called it um, it's it is this offensive team led by Baker Mayfield. This this really is one of the best offenses in the history of college football, and it's 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 crazy that as as Oklahoma fans we get to say that twice over the course of a decade. Um, we get to see two historically great offensive football teams. It's, it's pretty cool. According to Mike Houck, OU's assistant AD and SID extraordinaire, OU's averaging just over 600 yards per game total yards and like, like you said grant eight and a half yards per play the Oklahoma single season records for yards total yards per game is 556 which would be just shattered by shattered. Oklahoma in this shattered. in this uh, season and yards per play the school record for a year was 7.6 and Oklahoma's averaging nearly a full yard more Okay, seven point six, yeah, and seven point six is like astronomically incredibly good. Um, where they are right now is it's 
I, I, I just don't really think if we've I don't really think we've ever seen it. Maybe the only offense in terms of of pure numbers like that that have been close to that is maybe that 2005 USC offense, um, which just had a plethora of NFL players on it. It was insane, but obviously a long way to go. But you know, from what we've seen the first ten games of this season, we we've seen a, a historically good offense, and they're just fun to watch. They're they are they are very good at every single position, and it's 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 very rare that you see that in college football these days. All right, Grant, want to go to the tape? Want to do some film session? Might as well. See this game, I watched back, and I gotta just admit right now, I didn't watch as much defense, OU defense, as I would have liked to, which is a nice stark tra- uh, contrast from the past, well, the entire season, because normally I pay more attention to the defense. This game, I really wanted to watch the uh, the offense and how they schemed up against TCU just because of TCU's defense, and everyone was talking about how great that defense plays. And I wanted to see how they would attack TCU's defense because going in, I thought I'd see a lot of two-man, a lot of cover two, and not a whole lot of blitzing, but just pressure without blitzing. And that's really what we got. So here's the first play I want to talk about, Grant. The first touchdown of the game from Oklahoma was a Rodney Anderson touchdown touchdown run and that came on your favorite counterplay Grant where the tackle and the guard pulled right to left this time it was Bobby Evans and Drew Samia just a straight off tackle play and Mayfield handed it off just in time to Anderson who busted through that whole easy touchdown and once that play happened I was surprised because that was the first real nice run of the day up to that point because Oklahoma was being stopped for about no no gain or a yard so that one got the running game going Later on in the first quarter, second down and seven in TCU's, check that, in Oklahoma's own territory, one of the few times TCU blitzed off the corner. Rodney Anderson stayed in for a second like he was going to block, and then as the cornerback got to Anderson and then passed him, Anderson released out, and Mayfield just dumped right off to Anderson, who had nothing but green grass right in front of him, and downfield was CeeDee Lamb, who was running the route was blocking for him downfield and Anderson had a huge gain there and that's one of those plays where I'd love to ask Lincoln Riley I'd I'd love to say hey was that did you know they were going to blitz there I mean how did you know because that was the perfect play call for that situation because they threw it right exactly where the blitzer was coming do you remember that play Grant I know there's a lot of big plays I remember it specifically just because it was a really nice play it was a it's a play that after I first saw it my my first thought process was that's something that you get with a fifth-year senior quarterback there and, and maybe really no one else. Um, my guess, and I, I'd have to go back and watch it again, my guess is they, they had to have caught him in that blitz before they snapped it. Um, they were they had probably seen something on film where they were showing blitz, um, and maybe they had just, you know, they checked to a hot route there, and maybe that was just the, the first check down would be my guess. Um, but you never know. I, I really don't know uh, because that was – the way that play was called and the way it was executed, it it, it was literally the, the perfect play call. You just don't see other teams do that. I mean, it was such a simple thing. It looked simple, but it was so high concept and so smart, and it just it looked like, oh, you knew what was coming. Yeah, that's something. And, and maybe they did because they just watched a lot of film and they just they, they were prepared. Yeah, that type of thing is something you see in the NFL, um, and, and I've, I've been noticing that quite a bit lately with this offense, especially with a lot of the route concepts and, and just kind of how, how they isolate people one-on-one. A lot of NFL concepts in, in this offense, um, just from, from route combinations and stuff like that. Not, not obviously, you know, how they're, how they're aligning and stuff like that. Um, but go ahead, Lee. 
Well, the next play actually it was made by the route concepts that I want to talk about. It was actually the very next play after the Rodney Anderson big game that we just talked about. Michael Jones is lined up in the slot left. C.D. Lamb is the wide is the wide guy on the left side. Michael Jones runs a bit of a slant inside, then pivots, and then runs an out route. C.D. Lamb runs a go, so therefore C.D. clears out that side of the field, and Michael Jones cleared out the inside, then ran, ran the out route back. Mayfield hits him in stride. He has plenty of room because there's there's nobody else on that side of the field because C.D. Lamb cleared out the the cornerback. Boom, easy 15 yards, and that's just because of the play design because of the route that C.D. Lamb ran, and then, of course, the route that Michael Jones ran. And that's just – it's just – it shows that Oklahoma is thinking things through, and they actually have a a purpose with what they're trying to do on the field. They're not just calling plays. They're not just calling random plays. Oh, let's just do this one, see if this works. I mean, it's – everything they do has a purpose. And then next play is the touchdown pass. It wasn't the play after this, but on the same drive – the touchdown pass to Grant Calcaterra. By the way, great to see Grant Calcaterra get back in the end zone for the first time. I think what since UTEP. Yeah, it was since UTEP. <laughs> I mean, that, that was. I mean, that was his first catch in two months. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I th- I think I predicted a, a Calcaterra touchdown uh, in the Iowa State game, and that never came. And finally, it's like five or six games later, the Calcaterra touchdown catch is back. But going to that play, just a a perfect, beautiful throw. I mean, if you watch that sky cam angle of the replay Calcaterra is not open and I don't know what Mayfield sees but obviously he trusts Grant Calcaterra and he throws the ball to the only spot that gets Calcaterra open to make the high point catch I mean it was such a perfect throw and a great catch yeah that was an that was an NFL throw that that was a that was a throw that maybe 15 or 20 people in the world can make on a consistent basis to have the guts to make that throw and really, it was a smart throw because there was no downside unless it got tipped up into the air and somebody picked it off. But like where it was going, it was only going to be a Calcaterra touchdown or an incomplete pass. Yeah, and it was a Calcaterra touchdown. Yeah, it was it, it was an incredible throw. And like, I, I just want to bring up just just to harp on it one more one more time about this offense and just I going going into this season, it was that was the big question mark was, was the skill positions because, you know, you lost Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan and D.D. Westbrook off of, uh, off of last year, which, you know, last year was the best offense in college football too. They lose those three guys. And that was a big question mark coming into this year, 10 games into the season. Did you ever think that at this point in time, we'd be saying, I mean, not only is, uh, is, is are, are the skill positions on this team a strength, but I, I think, I mean, Position by position, I, I think o- OU has is um, is best at the skill positions, probably in the country in terms of depth. Um, I, did you ever think at the beginning of the season, Lee, that just they would be so deep in the skill positions, and that there would just be so many people that can beat you? It, it's insane how we've and you you, you see a guy we and I just said Grant Calcaterra hasn't caught a pass in two months, and yet he. In November, in the middle of November, in a game in a in a top six game, he just shows up out of nowhere and makes makes an NFL play. I mean, what other team can do that? No one. I mean, that's that's there's no other that's, offense. No, that can no do one that, can do that. And you you got guys like Rodney Anderson and Rodney Anderson. What he did on uh, Mike Houck also I, I saw tweeted something out 
since 1996, oh, that's that's as far back as OU's stats database goes. They can't find anyone else in the entire country that has that has had 139 yards receiving and rushing in that span. And that's Rodney Anderson. That's a guy that, I mean, a month ago we didn't even know if he was ever going to have a productive college career because of injuries. And now yeah, we'll have to and, go back to our our early shows and just pull some of our sound bites from the early shows talking yeah. about Rodney Anderson. That would be funny. And that's and that that's coming off a game where Marquis where Marquise Brown had 270 yards and two touchdowns and looked incredibly explosive. We've seen CD Lamb look like the most talented player on this offense at times this year. We already know about Mark Andrews. And we have Abdul Adams, a guy who is averaging still 10 yards a carry and only got a only got one carry last night. We have Trey Sermon who who might be the the Big 12 offensive freshman of the year. Uh, just incredible. I, I, I can't. And now we have Michael Jones, who is emerging as as kind of a, a a threat who is who is really reliable. I I just I didn't see this coming. I, I thought I thought they were going to be underrated at the skill positions this year. I thought they were going to reload, but not be anywhere near as good as they were last year. They're objectively better than they were last year in the skill positions, and they are deep. And they, I mean, they have they have five, six guys in the receiving game who can hurt you on a consistent basis. They have three guys. Uh, they have three running backs who we know you can, uh, who we know that uh, can hurt you. And of course, they have the best. They have the best player in the country uh, running the offense. It's this is this is just something I don't think we're going to see again for a really long time. And just to go back to what you said last week, I I really hope they don't waste it, what they have here, because this is a truly, truly special side of the side of the ball. And I I know it would just mean it'd mean a whole lot if they can keep this going, because this is I, I just I never thought I'd see it again. That 2008 offense was so good. And I. I, I just never thought I would ever see anyone ever come close to it again, much less exceed it. And I think that's what we're seeing this year. It's insane. Well, after week one. You said it. You said it, and I thought you were crazy. Yep. That's, so, we're going to have to go ahead and pull that one, too. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and, and why is it? I, I, I think a lot of it has to do I, I don't. I think... Uh, you're seeing Baker Mayfield. This is the third year he's been in the system, and he has he has an understanding of yep. the system. He knows exactly what he's doing, and not to mention he's just a really good freaking player. Um, and so when you have the familiarity with the system, you have a guy like Lincoln Riley who has proven up to this point to, you know, at the very least, the the guy is an offensive genius. He, you know, he just is. And when you surround him with all of that just raw talent on offense, this is what you get. They are incredibly athletic they're incredibly explosive they're they're powerful they're physical and maybe most important of all they're very intelligent they play offense intelligently and it's um it's it's really a lot of fun to watch i'm having so much fun watching them play grant when you're sitting around saturdays and watching other college football games and flipping back and forth and you know watching everything from 11 a.m until the end of the day and you watch these other offenses play, isn't it just like it's like we're so spoiled that like you get to the I mean, being an Oklahoma supporter and watching OU and then you see other offenses play, you kind of scoff at everybody else, don't you? You're like, man, like what? Ugh. Like that's yeah. that's that's the that's what they're doing. Yeah. Like, and oh, I, my God, I just I, I want to go back to um, going into this week. You know, of course, Georgia was the number one team in the country, Lee, and. You know, Georgia really hasn't struggled at all this year. They've, they've, you know, going into this week, they they were nine and zero. Eight of their wins had been just thorough beatdowns, blowouts. I, 
watching Georgia on on Saturday, Lee, it looked like a JV offense. I mean, it was at times they just looked so just impotent. It was it was laughable to a point. And it, it is nice knowing that I, I just I just don't think OU would ever look that way. And, and no, this, this no, is a Georgia won't. team that was number one in the country. Um, and I, I just, I've, I've, and watching, I've run out of things to say about the offense just because they're that impressive. And see, and, and that's why, uh, another reason why I wanted to bring up other teams and other offenses that that's a big reason of why I feel the way I, I feel. And I'm sure a lot of other Sooners fans feel this way as well, but that's why I wanted to bring it up last week with Baker Mayfield and this offense and don't waste this talent because when you watch other teams in college football and the way they play offense, it's nowhere near the level Oklahoma plays it. So it's just it'd be a shame if the nation didn't get a chance to watch this team in the final four. If you know, there's just, there's probably tons of people out there that still haven't watched Oklahoma play yet. And they've watched other college football teams play and they've seen other teams like Alabama and Georgia and Clemson even and and I mean Ohio State's got a good offense too, but I mean in, in Penn State and, and whatnot. But there's probably a lot of people that haven't seen Oklahoma play. And I'd like to see what would happen if all these other college football fans, if you will, that aren't familiar with Oklahoma, how they would feel if they saw Oklahoma play offense. They would think, oh, my gosh, like, what is what is my team doing? I mean, this is ridiculous. Why can't my team do this? And, I mean, the easy answer to that question is because your team doesn't have Baker Mayfield and doesn't have Lincoln Riley as the head coach and the offensive coordinator. But um, it's just it's a pleasure to watch, and we only have a few more of these games left, and I hope we have as many as possible and as many as it can possibly be in college football. I'm hoping it's five. I'm hoping that we've got five more games of it. I'm hoping. <laughs> and uh, it's just it's so fun, and the, the season's gone by fast, but this is where Oklahoma wants to be. This is where we wanted Oklahoma to be. We each thought at this point in the year, I think we each kind of figured Oklahoma would have maybe one loss. We didn't think it'd be to Iowa State, obviously. Nobody did. But uh, – the Sooners still control their own destiny, and that has never been more true than it has been after this past Saturday. And now Oklahoma just needs to take care of business. So anything else that you want to mention when it comes to the Oklahoma offense in this TCU game? I, I understand that TCU's S&P defense grant, your favorite rankings, went from third to 13th. That's it? Only 10 spots? Yeah, they dropped 10 spots. I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the, the second half. And also, this was, from an efficiency standpoint, this was OU's worst game of the season. Uh, the first time this year that they were they were not over 50% uh, success rate on offense. So, uh-huh. which which is okay. That's, that, that, that's something that you expect against uh, the number two defense in the country in terms of success rate. Um, Lee, the... This TCU defense was was for real that they just pushed around in the first half. Um, just to give you an idea of where they are, TCU was third. Alabama is now third in defensive S and P. So, um, with with and Alabama th- got tested, man. They yeah. gave up some points to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is th- th- this TCU defense is a is a bona fide top ten defense. Um, and bottom line is OU did whenever they wanted to, they did whatever they wanted. So it, I mean, it was just really impressive and i'm i'm really looking forward to to hopefully seeing it again in in three weeks just real quick this is you'll need to comment on this at all i'm sure you will have a comment though i still think texas has a better defense than tcu though i completely disagree texas has played better against better offenses than tcu has this year the Mm. longhorns have a better defense than tcu i completely disagree I, I could okay. not. I, I just. I could not disagree anymore. TCU's defense was is very impressive. 
Yeah, it's very impressive. I think Texas is a, is a better defense. And I think Texas has played a much more difficult schedule than TCU has. That's why the, the Longhorns record is not as good. Plus, obviously, Texas's offense is not anywhere near as good as TCU's offense. I mean, I wouldn't, say they've, I, wouldn't say they've, I wouldn't say they've I wouldn't say they've played that much more. I mean, just well, add, I mean, just USC, add USC and USC. I mean, that was when USC sucked, and USC still is just only okay. So well, that's when USC I, could. I mean, they could move the football. That's that's the main difference. I mean, TCU played Arkansas in the non-conference. You can't yeah, move U, the football. USC's offense is good. That's it. It's good. It's not. It's pr- it's probably not top ten in the country. Good. It's just good. And also, Texas held Oklahoma State to thirteen points. Yeah. No. I mean, that was impressive. I, I think. I think Texas. I think Texas has a really good defense. I think TCU is 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 unquestionably a top ten defense. And I don't necessarily feel the same way about Texas. Well, isn't this nice, Grant? That we're more than thirty minutes into this podcast, and we haven't harped on a atrocious, an awful. Uh, close your eyes and just cover your ears performance by the Oklahoma defense that's, that's because, nice right yeah it's because they were actually pretty okay they were they were they played really nice complimentary defense to the OU offense they they were not dominant by any stretch of the imagination but they did what they needed to do and uh I don't what do you think three true freshmen started yesterday what, what do you think about that three true freshmen in the secondary started now it was oh, four yes, total because Kenneth Murray is the linebacker. Yep. So I believe Mike Stoops mentioned this after the game and he he said, "Yeah, I don't I I don't think that's ever happened in Oklahoma history before with four true freshmen starting on defense." And it the defense looked good. I mean, it's clearly there there's some talent there. And again, I said this earlier in the sh- in the show, unfortunately I was not able to watch the defense as closely as I would have liked to and I plan on doing that this week. So maybe by our next show, this upcoming Thursday, I'll have a little bit more thoughts on specifically Trey Norwood and Trey Brown, the two cornerbacks who started, which I I thought Norwood would start, did not see Brown starting for Parnell Motley. Did not see that one coming. And um, for what from what I've been told and from the bit I've seen on film, they both played really well and the, the main difference that if, if anybody, let's say you don't know anything about football, you've never watched really a whole lot of football, you go for fun, you watch the games, and, and you don't know the X's and O's, you don't really know how to break things down, but you saw, you've seen Oklahoma play this year. Let's say it's one of those kind of people. I think what you saw in this game was that the defensive backs, when a pass was thrown and there was a receiver out there, Way more times than not, there is an OU player in pretty darn good position and there to make a play around that receiver as opposed to having the receiver be wide open and untouched. Would you agree? Yeah, the biggest difference in the game, I thought, Lee, was just when the ball was in the air. I thought there was a very stark and obvious difference that uh, especially Norwood was just a lot more comfortable tracking the ball and finding the ball in the air um, than than his counterpart. Four pass breakups. Yeah, he he just he he just four. I don't think. Sorry to Jordan Thomas. I don't think Jordan Thomas has four all season. No, he had two. I think. Um, <sighs> so I, yeah, Trey Norwood looks good, and he, you know, I, I'll keep saying it, he looks like Zach Sanchez out there, and that's that's good. That's always a good thing. And we're at that point now, Lee, where it's just we you don't you don't need. Norwood and Brown to be spectacular you just need them to not be terrible and I, that's uh, that's that's kind of what Motley and Thomas were last week against Oklahoma State and so just any sort of improvement was was going to be a big deal and they saw it and I think going forward I think you, you have to stick with it going forward don't you yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. it's I, I and this is something that I, I, I I'm uh 
I'm sad to admit that I don't have more information on this because I wasn't able to get down on the field really for pregame on Saturday because of where I, I work at News 9. We, 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 have, we have live hits and we, we do things for our 6 o'clock show and our 6.30 show, which of course is like right around when pregame is and when they're warming up. The reason I bring this up is that I wasn't able to get down there to see who was dressed, who didn't have their uniform on. I was, I was really wanting to see if I could, if I could find Jordan Thomas. So I, I wasn't able to look for him. He obviously didn't play in the game. I don't know if he was out there. I don't know if he was suited up. I don't know. If, have you heard or read anything, Grant? Per, whether per, per Twitter before the game, he was in street clothes. Okay. Okay. So it, it based on that, it would seem that Jordan Thomas is is still injured or was, not, I shouldn't say still. Yeah. He's just he's banged up. And and uh, I would assume Monday at the press conference for Lincoln Riley, I would assume some questions would be asked as far as his health because he always gives he always gives a health update. So we'll see. But uh, the reason I bring that up, though, is, yes, uh, to go back to what you were talking about, there's there's no question that we'll see Brown and Norwood certainly against Kansas and moving forward now. Good to see Will Johnson come back in in the second half. He was uh, very energetic after missing the entire first half because he had to sit out because of the targeting penalty. He had an excellent pass breakup on fourth down late in the third quarter. Yeah, really nice. And just another, I mean, that was a game full of pass breakups. And again, TCU's off, I shouldn't say again, we haven't really mentioned this. TCU's offense isn't, isn't Oklahoma State's offense, but TCU's got a good offense. I mean, it's not a bad offense. They can mm-hmm. move the football, and they, they and have Oklahoma some, did a nice job. Yeah, and you saw they. I mean, they they have some weapons on the outside. They got some really talented receivers. Um, you know, they and they made some athletics, some nice plays. And Lee, one of the things that really stood out to me just over the course of the game also was just how it just seemed like how how there just seemed to be much less space in the secondary than there has been the last few weeks. Um, and I, I just mean when the ball is in the air, there there just seems to there just seemed to be a lot more guys around the ball. Uh, last night than there had been and I like uh, you know I'll have to go back and watch it again like you and it'll be interesting to see if if that had a if if that had a lot to do with the the three freshmen just playing better uh, than their counterparts and I and I think I I have a suspicion that when I go back and watch it that probably will be the case Um, another another thing I do want to point out Lee I said uh, three stops per half I think should be the baseline for the OU defense. I, I do think if they get three stops per half from here on out, I do think they are going to win the national championship. They got nine stops in the game last night, Lee. If they get nine stops per game from here on out, I'm pretty damn confident in saying that they'll win the national championship. But with this defense, don't don't get too confident. Uh, that's all I have to say. So I, I, I could I could easily see us riding high into Lawrence next week and then still giving up 30 points and 400 yards to Kansas. It wouldn't surprise me. See, that's a that's a fascinating point you bring up because even though Oklahoma's defense technically in the last five games in the second half has been pretty darn good and has the most points Oklahoma's allowed in any of those games is only 14 in the second half. It's not like we're starting to go into each second half thinking, oh, okay. OU's got this. They're going to make these adjustments in Oklahoma. You book it. The opposing team is not going to score anywhere more than 14 points this half. Oklahoma just has to make sure that they they uh, outscore, you know, whatever the score would be at halftime. Like it's not like we're thinking that. There's still that that feeling that, well, Oklahoma's defense at any moment is going to give up a 80 yard play or a bunch of chunk plays because heck, Oklahoma State got eight of them plus a bunch of other shorter chunk plays. So even though the defense is starting to look a little bit better, at least at least as definitely against TCU, 
it's not like we're really getting a whole lot more confident in the Sooners defense just because of what we have seen the entirety of the season. No, and I and I still think they're I still think at best they're inconsistent stopping the run. I mean, you, you saw that yesterday. TCU was able to pull off some chunk plays early on in the game, and that, that changed as the game went on. They did a lot better limiting those types of plays as the game went on, as has been the case you know, for most of the season, Sands, uh, Oklahoma State last week. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I still have zero confidence in this defense. I mean, none at all. It was nice to see them play, uh, nice to see them play well, as we've seen. I, I think we can, we can confidently say um, they've played – They've played well for sure in, in three games this year defensively, and that's that's not good enough for a team that's played in ten games. You, you would hope that you know that that ratio would be much higher. I think they've played well defensively against Ohio State. I thought they played well defensively against Texas, and I thought they played well against TCU. And that's that's about it so far. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can. If, and for three quarters of the Tech game, uh, you know, I mean, they were they were okay. They, they were a lot better in this game. I thought they were in the in the Tech game. But I mean, yeah, for the most part, um, and it'll be really interesting to see if they can now, you know, put two good defensive performances together. And really, they have no excuse, you know, going to Lawrence to play Kansas now. They they have no excuse. This is a game, uh, this you know, upcoming here where they really should be able to put together a good defensive performance. It'd be really disappointing if they can't. Yeah, this should be like one of the early games this season, Grant, when they beat up on UTEP and was able to hold UTEP to only a touchdown, and they beat up on T- uh, Tulane and held Tulane to only a couple touchdowns. Yeah. This, K- Kansas this is, game should be kind of like that. Yeah, Kansas is very, very close to UTEP in quality. Uh, that's that's the type of game that that we're get, that we're going to see uh, this upcoming Saturday. How many yards did Kansas gain against TCU? Like eight? Uh, I think it, it ended up being like thirty-four or something like that, but. But halfway through the fourth quarter, they they were still in negative yardage. I th- I, I could have swore it was like single digits. Uh, it certainly might be. I mean, I can look it up really quick. I mean, yeah. I mean, they halfway through the game, they legitimately, or halfway through the fourth quarter, they legitimately had negative yards of offense. I'm looking at it right now. Let's see here. Teams. So yeah, I mean, TCU's defense obviously, and that's another reason reason why TCU's defense is so. Yeah, highly ranked. They had they had forty or uh, twenty one yards total offense, forty six wow. yards passing, minus twenty five rushing. So, yeah, this uh, Kansas is is really bad, just period. So I mean, this <laughs> is, uh, and we'll of course we'll talk more about that on uh, on on Thursday show, but just right, right. just getting a little ahead of ourselves. Lee, I, I do want to do want to throw one thing out there. Um, a guy that I think is has really come on, and I and I would say as of right now, I think is is unquestionably, uh, at least recently, has been the second best player on the defense, um, and that's Devonte Lampkin. He is uh, great game. Great he had game a against really TCU. he had a really great game, and he is he's turning into you know he's he has moments where he's dominant, and um, if he can have if, if if he can if he can turn moments into uh, in, into consistently being dominant. This OU defense is going to be a lot better than it is, especially you know, stopping the run. So uh, Devontae Lampkin can can really, really improve this defense and and, and really is going to have a hand uh, and a say in, in how far this team goes down the stretch, um, especially if he can play as well as he did last night going forward because he was he was physically dominant last night, and that, that was just really nice to see. Something we really haven't seen from an Oklahoma defensive lineman um, you know, since – a couple years ago, when when Charles Walker would would take over a game every now and then, 
Well, in this 3-4 type look that Mike Stoops likes to run, and let's be honest, we were supposed to get a 4-3 apparently. Remember all the talk about the 4-3 before yeah, that's, the season? that's not happening. Yeah. No, I mean, it's we're, we're running the 3-4. And I remember back in our post, or post our preseason talks when we were talking about the defense, we, we briefly mentioned Lampkin, and, and he just has the body size of one of those big defensive tackles that can take up space and stop the run and fill gaps. And that's exactly the kind of body and player he is. And now we're starting to see it in action. And he, like you said, he's been dominating parts of games. And it's nice to see him out there, especially, you know, he missed the first, I can't remember how many games he missed, three or four for uh, some, some issues. I think maybe I, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to say what it was. I don't want to like say something wrong, but I know he, he missed time. He missed a couple of games. Back. Yeah, he, he missed time, and, and now he's back, and he's playing extremely well, and he's playing very well. Also, Kenneth Mann, it seems like every game, Kenneth Mann does something, does at least one thing that's like, wow. Kenneth Mann a sack makes... sack or a tackle for loss, or, I mean, just, he, he plays great. Kenneth Mann has seemingly made a big play, one big play in every single game this year, and so I, hopefully that continues, because he's been a really productive a player on the defensive line, and also DJ Ward. DJ has, Ward has, has been really constant, good this man. year. Has been really, really good this year. Fantastic, yeah, he's been great. He's um, been, DJ Ward has probably been the most consistent player on the defense this year. If we're if we're going to be objective about it, yeah, that I agree. Even more so than Oboe. Yeah, and the, I agree. The, the thing I really love about DJ Ward is, man, he's really good at staying home. He he really does not. He knows what his job is. Yeah. He knows he he doesn't try to be a hero. He's a team guy. And he still is able to make some big plays. I mean, he's able, like, he had a huge sack against Oklahoma State. I believe he also had a huge sack in that Texas game as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's, in the game. he's had a really good season. So hats off to DJ Ward. And uh, anything else you want to say about the defense, Lee? Anyone else? That's the thing. I'm, I'm glad stood that, out to you. That was the last thing. I wanted to go through a couple names of guys, and, and we did that. So I'm glad we were able to, to, to shout out a couple players because I feel like sometimes we, we do forget to mention some defensive players. And uh, when Oklahoma plays good defense, like for the most part, the Sooners did on Saturday night, it's nice to, to name off some of the players and and give them some recognition for a, a job well done. So that's that's all I have defensively. Do you have anything else that you want to add or or do you want to go ahead and wrap this one up and, and move on to the next one when we uh, discuss old KU? Well, Lee, I, I just I. I just want to just reiterate, just especially after what happened, and I, I'm sure we'll go into much more of it on, on Thursday, especially when we're talking about the new the new playoff rankings and whatnot. Um, but from an OU perspective, as an OU fan, uh, yesterday was was the perfect day of college football. Uh, pretty much everything that OU needed to happen happened yesterday. Um, they they if if they weren't already controlling their destiny, they almost certainly are now, at least much more so than they were, you know, before, before the day started on Saturday. Uh, it was just great. I mean, Miami and, in, uh, Miami beats Notre Dame, Georgia loses, you know, those were, I, I felt those were the two teams that, that really were, were, were the biggest threat to OU. And of course they both lose and they both, not, not only did they both lose, they both just get absolutely blown out. Um, Especially on a day when a lot of the top teams um, looked like they struggled on the road, uh, struggling with maybe not great teams either. Uh, it was really nice to see OU put you know put forth the effort they did yesterday, just because that's a really good TCU team that they just they just kind of 
they just kind of just beat them and just said whatever. That's how easy that win. That's that, that's how easy that win was yesterday, and that's that that's something that we really haven't seen a whole lot, especially especially on you know TC. TC that's a really good TCU team. That, that that's the best TCU team since that Trevon Boykin team that got snubbed from the playoff a few years ago, and it's. Uh, what the Sooners did to that that defense, I thought, was really impressive, and and I I think people are going to start taking note, especially I, I I think as it goes on, people are going to start forgetting about you know the bad defense, and people are going to start seeing Baker Mayfield, and uh, there's just uh, people are going to start really wanting to see OU's offense in that playoff, and it's just going to get a, a whole a whole lot more fun from here, and I it's any sort of uh, stress about not controlling your destiny and and having to you know, have other teams, you know, uh, be successful. So, so the, uh, so OU can get into the playoff that's gone now. Now it's just all OU playing, you know, doing what they have to do and controlling their own destiny and just sit back and enjoy the games. And cause it, it's going to be fun from here on out. I would bet there's a lot of people in college football around the nation that pay attention to college football that saw that Oklahoma TCU score and, and raised their eyebrows a little bit, because I had the feeling going into this, into this game that a lot of people were behind TCU because, you know, in in general, I think backing really good defense against really good offense, for the most part, when it comes to football, usually usually is smart. Usually really good defense. I mean, you see it in the Super Bowl a lot. You see it, and I get that's NFL, not college. You even you see it in the national title game. You see it, you know, in, in certain bowl games and just in general, you know, like the team with a really great defense against a team with a really great offense, it really seems like those games become a lot more low-scoring as opposed to the offense getting the best of the defense. So with that in mind, that's why I say I think a lot of people probably saw that score and all the points that Oklahoma put up, and then also only 20 points allowed, because I'm sure a lot of people in their head thought, man, Oklahoma's defense is trash and garbage. I thought everyone's saying that they give up 50 a game. I think that that score was very surprising to a lot of people and obviously a positive way for Oklahoma. So uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing you probably feel the same way about that, Grant. And, and the last thing before we go, and, and I'll, I'll let you comment on whatever you want to comment on in, in a second. And I just got to get I just thought of this. This is to me, this is insane. Anybody who is making like a, a list of the the Heisman contenders right now. OK, if, if you're making your list past number one, just stop. Like, what are you doing? Like unless something horrible happens or something weird happens like it's not even close baker mayfield is the best player in the country and he's the obvious heisman front runner like don't give me bryce love don't give me carry on johnson all of a sudden at like you're just trying too hard at this point if you're well, trying who, to even list people outside of baker mayfield well, so who I think is that's doing a, that everyone and everyone is saying that everyone's saying this is already over as far okay, as well, maybe as I, so, maybe some people i at least everything I that i saw on twitter and of, of course people are still putting a list of people on there because you do i mean if you're a voter you have to vote for three people so i mean i i get baker it, mayfield there's baker not, mayfield yeah. baker mayfield <laughs> but there's there's not a single person out there who is saying that this is not a shoe in for Baker and it, it is up to this point. We're at a we're we're at a very similar point that we were last year when when Lamar Jackson already had it wrapped up uh when November was starting. That this is it, it's wrapped up. Ba- Baker's gonna win it. But at so, the same time though, Lamar Jackson shouldn't have won the Heisman last year. He didn't play very well at all down the stretch and Deshaun Watson was obviously the best player in college football. So uh, I mean you, I if mean, you're gonna compare I, it to that I, I, I mean, I mean I, 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 I'm going to take some issue with that. I mean, I, I don't know. 
I, I think an argument can be made, but Lamar Jackson had statistically maybe the best season ever for a quarterback in college football history. So I, I'm not gonna. I I probably would have voted for Deshaun Watson, but I'm not gonna say it was obviously Deshaun Watson. I'd have voted for Baker Mayfield because he should have won it last year too. I yeah. Actually, I mean, I, even though I, even though I just said Deshaun Watson, uh, it should have actually been Baker Mayfield last year. Well, I mean, sure, but I mean, you know, you know, you know, the politics with these things work. Sure, but whatever. But I I don't think that's gonna be an issue <laughs> this year. I think we're gonna see uh, probably. If if things go you know like we hope they go, especially if OU is twelve and one against the college football playoff, we're 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 likely to see probably one of the bigger landslide victories. I, I would guess in uh, for for the Heisman Trophy in, in college football history. I would guess. All right, can't wait to discuss the next college football playoff rankings on our next show, and I can't wait to discuss looking ahead to OU, KU, Lawrence, great city, great town fun place that's our show we'll be, we'll be back on thursday to discuss that saturday game between oklahoma and kansas in lawrence and of course we'll talk college football playoff and the always entertaining top 10 and the picks did the picks go well this week i'm not sure we'll have to go back and, and re- recalculate and see if they went well for grant i am lee this is west of everest